South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanz in Washington, working on this program very much. Here are some of the top stories making news. This is the January 17, 2023. The United Nations is condemning the ongoing intercommunal violence in South Sudan. UNICEF condemns the recent abductions of women and children, the rape, sexual violence, physical beatings, and gross deprivations inflicted upon upwards of 88 people in Greater People Administrative Area. And an association of Christian churches in Nigeria is calling for protection of Christians in the country. Ken is not happy with the attacks on clerics. We condemn it and we ask the authorities to go after those behind this and bring them to book. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. The UN Children's Agency, UNICEF, is condemning the recent intercommunal violence in Greater Pibor administrative area. The emergency specialist for UNICEF in South Sudan says there is no justification for abuses carried out during the recent intercommunal fighting in the area. For VOA News, Charlton Doki reports from Juba. UNICEF condemns the recent abductions of women and children, the rape, sexual violence, physical beatings and gross deprivations inflicted upon upwards of 88 people in Greater Pibor Administrative Area. That's Emma Tuck, UNICEF's emergency specialist in South Sudan. Tuck says there is no justification for the abuses carried out against women and children during recent intercommunal fighting in the Greater Pibor Administrative Area. The abduction of children has severe consequences on the physical and psychological well-being of children, their families and their communities, with almost certain long-term consequences. Dozens of women and children were abducted after a group of armed militiamen, known as the White Army from neighboring Jonglei State, attacked parts of Greater Pibor administrative area. Speaking by phone from Bor earlier today, Jonglei State Information Minister John Samuel Manyon told South Sudan in Focus state officials have rescued more than 80 abductees. In our first phase, we recovered 68 and we handed them over. So after that, we were continuing with our search. We have uh, recovered 20 and we have handed them over today. 20 children have been handed over today to the government of Greater Pibor Administrative Area through uh, UNICEF. So that's making a total of 88 abductees so far. 67 children and 21 women were rescued, said Manyon. Tuck commended local authorities in Greater Pibor and Jonglei for working to ensure the abductees were freed and reunited with their families. She says UNICEF will continue to work with the South Sudan government and other aid agencies to ensure the former abductees are supported. The work of these actors together is ensuring rapid family tracing and reunification processes are initiated for the affected families. This is the very first step in what's likely to be a very long journey of reintegration and healing. Tuck says UNICEF is committed to ensure that children in South Sudan are protected and that those who have been abducted are rescued. Last week, Jonglei authorities said they recovered and airlifted more than 60 abducted women and children from the state to the greater Pibor area. Manuan says state authorities will continue searching in the villages to ensure that women and children who were abducted by militiamen are rescued and reunited with their families. 
Uh, we have directed the county commissioners uh, the, to sit down with the chief, the youth leaders, and uh, make sure every child, a woman that uh, was abducted there, uh, is handed over to the authority. So our effort continue, and we hope uh, any child that is uh, a woman who is still uh, outside there uh, in the hands of the abductors uh, will be recovered and handed over to greater people. TAC calls on all parties in South Sudan to adhere to the conventions of the rights of the child and to ensure that children are not abducted or abused. For VOA News, I am Charlton Doki in Juba. The Christian Association of Nigeria has condemned the killings of a Catholic priest in central Niger state and suggested Christians might need to take up arms to defend themselves. Gunmen believed to be Islamist militants set fire to the priest's residence, burning him to death and shot another who was fleeing the attack. Police in northwest Katsina state say armed men attack a church abducting at least nine worshippers. Timothy Biazo reports from Nigeria. The national spokesperson of the Christian Association of Nigeria, Luminous Janamike, condemned the attack on Monday and told VOA the association was disappointed in the security system. He called on Nigerian authorities to find the perpetrators and prosecute them to prevent, quote, a situation where citizens will be asked to take up arms, end quote. Armed men Sunday burned Reverend Father Isaac Achi to death in his home in central Niger State after failing to break in. The attackers also shot another priest trying to flee the attack, but he survived. Jenamike spoke to VOA their phone. Ken is not happy with the attacks on clerics. We condemn it and we ask the authorities to go after those behind this and bring them to book. Christians in Nigeria have been quite accommodating, quite peaceful, quite cordial with uh, people of other faiths. The motive behind the attack is not yet clear, but gunmen have frequently in the past attacked churches and killed priests, especially in the country's north. Niger State Police Command says they are investigating the killing and will make the perpetrators pay. In a separate attack Sunday, gunmen in northwest Katsina State kidnapped seven women and two children from a Pentecostal church during services. State Police spokesperson told VOA via phone that a rescue operation is underway. The pastor was beaten uh, with stick. And he sustained um, a fracture on his hand. So, so far, uh, uh, such parties are still um, making efforts. Uh, the police, in collaboration with other sister security agencies, especially the Nigerian Army and the Air Force, are making efforts with a view uh, to rescuing the victims. Nigerian authorities have been struggling to stem a wave of kidnappings for ransom just weeks ahead of general elections. The country is also facing communal clashes over land between farmers and herders, as well as attacks from Islamist militants. The violence which outgoing President Muhammad Buhari vowed to address when elected eight years ago is one of the major issues ahead of the elections on February 25th. Simfi Obezu for VOA News, Abuja, Nigeria. 
25 members of Zimbabwe's opposition, Citizens Coalition for Change, appeared in court Monday on charges of holding an illegal meeting Saturday that police broke up with tear gas. The party accused the government of repression ahead of this year's general elections, as Columbus Mavunga reports from Harare. Those are 25 members of Zimbabwe's main opposition party, the Citizens Coalition for Change, arriving at the Harare Magistrate Court on Monday, accompanied by police. Among them is Amos Shibayam, a member of parliament. He talked briefly to journalists before going into the court. He says this will end. It's just harassment. It will come to an end. The dictator will go, he says. The people of Zimbabwe are going to free themselves. Fadzaima, a spokesperson for the Citizens Coalition for Change, or Triple C, says party members were treated badly by police during the arrest. Among those arrested is a little girl, a minor child under 18, she says. There were complaints that some ladies were molested by police, which is not allowed by the law. We also heard that the arresting police were drunk and through alcohol and the arrested people she is. This is not about arresting people who have committed a crime, she says. It's persecution or inflicting pain on triple C people because ZANPF is afraid of losing the coming elections. This year, Zimbabwe is supposed to hold general elections. The exact date has yet to be announced. The ruling ZANPF party and police refused to comment on the accusations when VOA reached out to them for comment, saying the matter was now before the courts. Magistrate Yokai Zuda has ordered prosecutors Padon Ziva and Zebedia Bofu to investigate the complaints which Triple C members raised against the police. Meanwhile, the 25 opposition members will be back in court Tuesday applying for bail, which the state is opposed to granting. Columbus Mavungam for VOA News, Arare, Zimbabwe. Listening to South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Oxfam says the gap between the poor and the rich are widening. Find out why after the break. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today. When you are upset, would you rather be alone or with others? I'd rather be alone because sometimes being with people demands a lot from someone's self. When you stress up, there's no need of being alone because when you are with others, at least they can advise you. When I'm upset, actually, being alone is not a good thing. So at least I have to associate with my colleague and I end up releasing that from me. I prefer being alone when I'm upset. Yeah. Because at least when I'm alone, I regain some some humor that I, when at least I go in public, I can talk with someone now. Eh? But when 
I'm still pissed. I can't talk to anyone. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. During this pandemic, the World Health Organization and Africa Center for Disease Control say if you have a fever, a cough, or have trouble breathing, you should stay at home and contact a healthcare facility. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest health news. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Linor Modul. The World Health Organization and Africa Centers for Disease Control say we all can help fight the global pandemic by frequently washing our hands or using hand sanitizers. For more information on protecting yourself and others, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. You're listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. As the annual World Economic Forum gets underway this week in Davos, Switzerland, Oxfam says extreme wealth and extreme poverty have increased simultaneously for the first time in 25 years. The charity is calling for fair taxation amid soaring global inequality. Henry Ridwell reports from London. Hundreds of billionaires, dozens of government ministers and central bank governors are due to attend the World Economic Forum in Davos this week, seen as a get-together for the global super-rich. And the charity Oxfam says they are getting richer. That equates to $42 trillion, according to Oxfam, nearly twice as much as the bottom 99% of the world's population. Oxfam says the source of that wealth is partly government money, emergency liquidity pumped into the global economy as the coronavirus pandemic forced countries into lockdown in 2020. Oxfam calculates that at least 1.7 billion workers now live in countries where inflation is outpacing wages, meaning people are getting poorer. However, the wealth of billionaires has surged as inflation drives up food and energy prices. Oxfam is calling for windfall taxes imposed on energy companies to be extended to food companies making big profits. It also wants a tax of up to 5% on the world's multi-millionaires and billionaires. The organizers of the World Economic Forum insist the meeting does benefit everyone. The World Bank warns.
warned in October that progress in tackling extreme poverty has ground to a halt amid soaring inflation and slowing economic growth. Henry Ridgewell for VOA News, London. The International Labour Organization warns that the current global economic slowdown will force millions of workers to accept lower quality, poorly paid jobs. The ILO has published its World Employment and Social Outlook trends for 2023. Lisa Schlein reports from Geneva. The outlook for the year ahead and beyond is not very promising. The International Labour Organization reports global unemployment will rise by 3 million for a total of 208 million this year, with similar projections for 2024. ILO Director of Work Quality Manuela Tomei says both the quantity and quality of jobs will deteriorate. She says working conditions are expected to worsen while wages go down. Workers in low and middle income countries uh, are expected to be um, hardest hit. And with the uh, pandemic uh, and the um, economic um, slowdown across the globe, their prospects of seeing a reduction in informality and and poverty um, uh, have uh, and will deteriorate it further. The report warns the cost of living crisis will push more people into poverty, widening the gap between rich and poor. It notes about 2 billion people, mainly in developed countries work in the informal economy. It says the slowing global economy is likely to reverse the progress which has been made since 2004 in moving people out of the informal sector. In addition to the millions of reported unemployed, the ILO says 473 million people last year stopped actively searching for work. It explains they either were discouraged about prospects of finding a job or had other obligations such as care responsibilities. For the first time since the 1970s. Tomei says stagflation conditions, that is high inflation and low growth combined, are threatening productivity and labor market recovery. The Ukrainian war, geopolitical tensions, disruption in supply chains, uh, high inflation, uh, the tightening of monetary policies and great uncertainty overall are all contributing to depressing the prospects for labor markets. The ILO reports young people aged 15 to 24 are facing severe difficulties in finding employment. It says they are three times more likely to be out of a job than adults. It adds young women are faring much worse than young men. It notes only 47.4% of women participated in the global labor force last year, compared with 72.3% for men. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. Many more violent incidents linked to extremist groups occurred in Benin's north last year than the government has officially acknowledged. A recent report found the country has become a new front line in the Sahel conflict. Henry Wilkins reports. Violence linked to al-Qaeda and the Islamic State group is spilling over the border from Burkina Faso into northern Benin. Villages are under threat. A resident from a village further north who asked that his identity be protected to avoid reprisals from authorities said he lives in fear. 
Concerning security in my village, the atmosphere has not been the same for some time. We're all afraid because of what we hear, he told VOA. While terrorists have not yet come to his village, for other residents of the border area, terrorist violence spilling over from Burkina Faso, Niger and Mali is already a fact of life. This man, who also asked that his identity be protected from authorities, says a group of terrorists were passing through his village and sought refuge in a woman's home. When she arrived back from the market and asked them to leave, they killed her. He says that terrorists hit her because she started screaming, because she was scared when she saw their guns. They told her to be quiet and ended up killing her, he added. Analysts say that extremist violence spreading from Burkina Faso into West African coastal states like Benin, Togo, Ghana and Ivory Coast is the next stage in the Sahel conflict. Benin appears to be being singled out, with more militant attacks in the second half of 2022 than other coastal nations, according to data from the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project. Asked whether the government has done enough to stop the spread of violence, Arnau Hoenu, a national security expert at Benin's University of Abome Kalavi, said, I personally think that little has been done, he says. The Beninese authorities may have been guilty of a blind wait-and-see attitude that cannot be explained. He adds that Benin could have imagined that the situation could degenerate and expand to the point of spilling over to the coastal borders, which is unfortunately what is happening. The Beninese government has sent large numbers of troops to the north to shore up security. Analysts say the military response is having an impact, but a recent report by the Klingendale Institute, a Netherlands-based think tank, found many more violent incidents occurred in Benin's north last year than the government has officially acknowledged. In 2022, one European journalist and several Beninese journalists were arrested while attempting to report on terrorism in the north. A consultancy that has been conducting workshops with communities in northern Benin to build resilience to violent extremism says many residents are too scared to talk about the issues. Annalise Bernard is with Strategic Stabilisation Advisors, a consultancy. Many of the comments that we got in the research was everyone and anyone could be a terrorist right now. We have no idea who's who, but we're scared to talk about what we're seeing and what we're concerned about. Benin's government did not respond to an interview request. Henry Wilkins for VOA News, Natatingu, Benin. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. The question today is wealth an important factor when making marriage decisions? Uh, wealth is not an important factor when making marriage decisions because most wealth is best acquired when you're together as a couple. Of course, I think that any decision that involves another person, that's only fair to include wealth as a as an important thing like i can live on almost no money but i couldn't expect my wife or my children to uh not wealth but security financial security because 
If you're planning to have kids, then you need to provide for them. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. Hello, I'm VOA health correspondent Linor Mudu. The World Health Organization and U.S. Centers for Disease Control say coughing and sneezing can spread COVID-19. Physical distancing, staying at least one meter away from people outside your family, can protect everyone. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. And that's all we prepared for you this Tuesday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you miss this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with Mawa in the song Beledi.
song Belady. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America. Yeah.